Welcome back to the Legacy Through Motherhood podcast. This is Stephanie, your host. And if you're new here, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. And in this podcast, we rotate between five main topics, faith, finances, health, marriage, and mindset. And the goal being that we're working on becoming 1% better every single day in each of those areas. And I just believe that the small, seemingly insignificant things will compound over time and ultimately drive positive generational change. Okay, guys, so today we have another episode in our Overcomer series that we have been doing. And if you are new here, these are stories of women who have overcome something big in life that could have broken them, but it did not. And instead, they have figured out some kind of a way to put their feet back on solid ground and to do things either differently for their children, or they have found a way to be a light to others who are enduring the same thing, experiencing the same thing, or kind of going on that journey that they had just went through. And so our next guest in the Overcomer series tells all about her story of her love for interior design and how it collided with her daughter's diagnosis of autism. And so after her oldest was diagnosed with autism, she really started to dive deep on ways to help her and just understand her, which led to her designing interiors for autism. I mean, how amazing (laughs) and unique and important is this? And if you don't know, I am a special education teacher by trade. So when I heard her story and what she has done and the business that she has, it just captured my heart immediately. So without further ado, please welcome Wendy. I would love it if you would just tell your story um, as a mama and if you could just walk us through that, that would be wonderful. You got it. Um, So... Before I had children, I went to college for interior design. I knew that I would, you know, have a family, so I didn't dive too far into the design industry um, because, like, I knew I was going to just end up being home and taking care of our kids. But um, the design has always, like, been in my DNA. So it's one of those things, like, I feel like myself when I've done the creative things. So we had our, our kids a few years back and I've had to shift my business or my, my idea of what my career might look like. Um, doing it with my kids at home, it just makes life easier. So I started my own business because I needed an identity that wasn't just mom. Sure. And I, I started from home, the twins were still at home, so that was really perfect. It worked out really nicely. We ended up getting a diagnosis on our oldest daughter for autism, and then about six months later, ADHD. Um, mm-hmm. Had a lot of struggles over the years with behaviors and transitions, um, textures. So. I didn't really know how to help her. There, there isn't any autism as I know of in the family. So there is, there's no one that really knows anything about it in either of our families. So I started down the rabbit hole that is autism information and quickly you get overloaded. I was also getting very discouraged. I didn't feel like I was getting anywhere. Um, I was still just kind of figuring things out for myself because I couldn't get like outside therapists. 
um, without spending a fortune or traveling hours to go someplace, which I just don't have that kind of time. Um, so I ended up actually connecting with um, someone, gosh, it was like through a friend. It was the oddest of connections, but she is a mom of an autistic aunt, ADHD child, and we just kind of collaborated and clicked really well, really fast. She planted this idea in my head of, have you thought about designing for people with autism? And I'm like, huh, you know, that's an interesting idea that gets me with my unique set of skills in interior design to help a community of people with autism. So I started to search and I started to really, you know, dive deep into what was available out there on the market. And I was really finding uh, not much. There's sensory products, sensory rooms. There's, there's a lot of information for that, but most things are geared towards a commercial setting, uh, hospitals. Uh, we actually just got like an ER that's autism, autistic friendly. And and I, Mm. you know, and that's great, but what about our homes? Especially now we're spending a ridiculous amount of time home. Right. Um, (laughs) So I know and I see other families struggling and struggling a heck of a lot more than they were before because their kids were getting their therapies. They were in school or the therapists were actually coming over where now it's all virtual. And that does not exactly work for most kids with autism. So how can we adjust our home? which is where we're spending all of our time right now, how can we adjust that for a child or a person with autism and get it to help facilitate better behaviors and better outcomes? And also it can help with self-regulation, which is like the biggest thing, the biggest goal that we have for our kids with autism. We want them to understand themselves better and be able to um, calm down, redirect themselves. It's all about independence and being able to grow and learn and do things for themselves. So in this different type of idea that I have, you know, I'm trying to get this in the hands of the parents um, it can also work for the, the large facilities, therapists, uh, it all can be adapted very easily. But I don't just, you know, say, hey, go get those things with the sensory name slapped on it. It's about understanding your child and what makes your child unique and creating a space specifically for them and the activity that takes place in that space. So if we're, you know, talking, a lot of times I get people, you know, saying I have a hard time getting my child to sleep. Now I don't help with, you know, sleep, um, you know, behaviors, but I do help with the bedroom because many times I ask them, well, does it feel calming? 
looking at that space is that a calming place and I've had people even send me pictures and I'm like well there's toys everywhere there's a, like a big ball pit there's um a trampoline or something and I'm like well that's that's energy that's I want to go play I want to get that stimulation from those items but that's not helpful in a bedroom also for when the they're trying colors, to sleep what's that for it's not helpful for when they're trying to sleep because i do know like right. some parents of um children with autism and they do have those ball pits because they the kids just love to like submerge themselves in them for the sensory, you know, and, um, and the trampolines and that kind of stuff. And so you're saying, obviously those all have a place, but if you are putting them in the bedroom, that is a really big pool on a kid, um, while they're trying to fall asleep. Gotcha. Exactly. Those items are great. We, um, actually we've been waiting for a mini trampoline for months. Um, we might just get the big one. Um, (laughs) just to have it. But all those things are really (laughs) helpful, just not in the bedroom. Have it in the living room if there's enough space or a totally different room. That can be that sensory space. But in a bedroom, it's like the complete opposite. We are looking for calm and rest and, and few distractions. So we need to kind of pull all of that busy out of that space Um, and, and colors. It's so easy. So for instance, my kids, they all have to be in one room, which is insane, but they require it. Um, Our oldest does not like to be by herself. And she gave us a very good argument about how she was the only one alone in her room because our youngest are twins. So they're in a room by themselves. And then of course, my husband and myself are in a room together. So she had a good point. (laughs) And we put them all in the same room together. But all together means all of our stuff together. And that's the blankets, the sheets, the stuffed animals, and every single one of them is covered in color, tons of colors, bright, exciting colors. And over three kids, it's like like hundreds of things because they're like natural hoarders of stuffed animals. And apparently, so so I'm constantly trying to like pare down. I, you know, what blanket do you have to have right now? So I can go, quote unquote, wash everything. I'll wash it and then I'll put it away someplace until they find it next time. This just pairs down all of that stuff and that distraction. Recently, I I switched all of the sheets to just plain white. And I know that might scare some people, but that white or even just like a solid calming color just calms that space. It has one less distracting element within it. So is something is is sleep something that your daughter struggled with and so you've kind of realized like oh my gosh this bedroom <laughs> is very like sensory driven or you know whatever lots of colors lots of toys lots of lots of things to pull attention and so 
um, like as you're working through, you know, with other moms, is it things that you have seen in your own daughter that are like, okay, this is what a bedroom actually needs to look like. This is what's really helped me. Or this is really how, like, I, I know every single kid, I, I mean, the spectrum is just so, there is no two that are the same. Right. Um, but, you know, are you just using all of the stuff that you've learned from your personal experience and then going in with other moms and being like, hey, here's what's helped this space for us? Yes. She didn't exactly have too much of a hard time, like, at, like sleeping. Once she was asleep, she slept. But it's the calming down in order to sleep that they struggle with. So, you know, with my research and talking to other people, I'm just like, but like this, this isn't calming. You know, how can I fix this space without taking her out of it? Because that's just going to open up a whole other set of can of worms. But right. yes, my my child has enlightened me and made me rethink how we put together children's spaces. It's a natural thing for us to personalize our bedrooms or our uh, special space. A lot of times it is our bedroom because we don't share that with too many other people, whereas a living room gets shared with everyone that comes over. So, um, so just shifting how we think it should be designed. And I also bring her into the project and ask her questions, get her opinion. What do you want here? And, um, her, you know, her special things type of type of thing. Um, I find that bringing her into the equation empowers her, gets me to understand her better. How old is she? I'm sorry? How old is she, if you don't mind me asking? She's seven. Seven, okay. So she, she likes being involved. And it's very easy for... Um, us parents to make the decision on their behalf, especially when they're young or they're nonverbal. So it's important to really dig deep and consult the person who's going to be using that space. I mean, that's what I do in general. Uh, As a designer, I talk to a customer and figure out what their needs and wants are. It's no different for people with autism, but it is probing a little bit more. Why do we like this or why do we not like it? Um, I'm kind of doing that with her regarding clothing at the moment. So I have to ask her and figure out like that, like what she told me doesn't make any sense. She used to tell me my hair hurts. That's a bizarre thing to say. I had no idea what that meant, but I was fixing a ponytail 20 times a day Mm. to get the hair off her neck. So over, you know, probably a few months of her doing that, we finally figured out, you know what? She needs a short haircut so that that hair stays off her neck. Mm. And I haven't had a problem since with that. Right. 
And who knows if like hurts was even the right word, but it's clearly Mm -hmm. uncomfortable, you know, like it could just be like tickling her neck or it could just be rubbing it or, you know what I mean? Like that, that, that sensory is just something that she's like, nope, (laughs) I do not like this. And hurt is the word that she, you know, has come up with. And I think, I think that is so important what you just pointed out that it's not, this is in general with any child, right? Like we, to ask them their opinion on thing to ask them like they're to have their input when we're designing their space or dressing them or obviously you know sometimes it's just like put these jeans on and be done but you know it's it's really important but even more so when you have a child um with autism because them you asking her about her room or her clothes or her hair those are just the beginning of self-advocacy skills right and so you know, that in self-advocacy comes a little more natural to a kid who, you know, does not have autism or whatever. And so how much more important is it that we give our kids, um, you know, just these, I don't know, even just the ability, the option to give us feedback um, in whatever way that they can. And so I just think that is so important. So what is, what is something when you kind of, you know, found out and she was diagnosed and um, you were, I don't know, obviously like new to all of this, like you said, she was kind of the first one in your family. Um, What was the biggest things that you felt like you really struggled to, I don't know, like struggled to figure out how to like work with her with, or like trying to parent a kid with autism, obviously is different. All of our kids are different, but that's just a special kind of different. And so what did that, what was like the hardest part for you in that? Let's see. Um, meltdowns probably our Mm. hardest thing we didn't exactly know why she was having them you know but she would just get so overwhelmed and lash out and she still does that but it's not as often um you know we might just start crying over something and I'm like what is it and she like can't really articulate what it is or she uses, you know, some other term like my hair hurts where, you know, that is not exactly what she meant. Um, but I have to pay attention to it. So now I just, I, I probe her for questions or I remove her from this overstimulating uh, experience, which is usually her sister screaming because um, <laughs> they're, they're crazy. Right. Mm -hmm. that's a lot for anybody yeah it's a lot you know so when somebody gets upset they scream maybe we're in the car my daughter's throwing her hands up over her ears and then she is in a tailspin so it's like okay whoa like what exactly is happening and trying to get to the root of the problem yeah I feel like um just with learning it doesn't and again like we obviously we're specifically talking about autism, but there are so many things, right, where all of our children are just so unique. And I always think it's very interesting. And I think we talked a little bit, I am a special special education teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, there are so many, uh, I I should not say so many, there are not so many, but there are programs where, you know, we can set up families as a school district or whatever. We can set up families to have people come into your home and work on systems, work on communication, work on, you know, a picture system type thing or a 
you know, set up a picture schedule, set up certain things um, so that these kids can kind of have a little bit of fluency, I guess, between the school, like in our classroom and at home. And that was beautiful. Like when I, I've worked with so many uh, students that had autism. And so I would have something that worked at school, you know, for them to complete an assignment or something. And then we would transfer it home. And with the parents, we'd work, they'd have the exact same thing, but it's for like doing the, you know, cleaning their room or whatever their chores were. And so there was this like somewhat of an attempt to get this seamlessness between school and home. But those are just like schedule type stuff to rearrange an entire room. Um, I just think that is, that is amazing. And so, and cause a lot of people, like you said, like you guys were, you know, you're just kind of thrown into it. <laughs> like you don't really know, you don't really know what to expect. Every, every kid is different. You can Google the crap out of everything. And it's like, you know, who knows, like she might identify with this and not this. And so it's just super hard. So what other, um, is there like another big room that you feel like you work with the most and, or, I know that um, safety is a big thing with um, just with kids with autism because they can get into everything, especially as they become bigger. Um, You know, they're getting into medicine cabinets, they're getting into certain things, obviously, depending on where they're kind of at. But do you help with like safety and security type things as well as interior design? It's all important. Um, When you're like, for instance, if you're too choosing new furniture maybe for your living room. Like our, our kids like to, especially our oldest, she likes to um, throw herself like at the couch. She likes to jump off of a chair onto pillows. Um, Mm -hmm. But recently she jumped off the chair and smacked her chin on our coffee table. Mm. The coffee table is while very functional for the living room, not functional for a sensory seeking child. She could have really hurt herself. And we've had the, we've had an ottoman up here instead sometimes. Um, And they love that because it's nice and big and it's soft, but also the edges of your furniture, you can get very square, sharp, like edges on the, the armrests instead rounded edges those kind of overstuffed um type of furniture is more ideal and keeping the child safe um obviously we don't exactly want the kids abusing the furniture so if like for me the furniture is old I don't care like the kids can kind of wreck it Um, but when we upgrade, I'm going to be looking for those rounded pieces. I'm going to be looking for a very highly durable fabric on this because I don't, and and also possibly even wipeable, um, the kids spill or have accidents. And then, you know, the whole piece is ruined or needs to be thoroughly cleaned. <laughs> so <Right. laughs> it's it's finding, you know, maybe yes, that piece of furniture might cost more, but it's going to last you longer as well and it's going to be exactly what your family needs. And it's going to just give you a peace of mind that yes, you know, to throw herself at this and she's not going to be hurt. A right. lot and I feel pieces can be chosen based on that as well. 
Yeah, that's so smart. And I feel like it's those little things that we just don't even you don't even know what you don't know. You know what I mean? Like it's it's that kind of stuff like you were saying, just the bedrooms. We like their bedrooms to be kind of individual and like what they like, you know, it's it's their space, but at the same time like it's just a different conversation when you are dealing with a child who is sensory seeking and whatever else. And so I think Wendy what you do is so so powerful. Um I, 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 I don't even know anyone in this space. And I mean, I've been in the special ed world for a while. I Do you know anyone else that does this kind of stuff? I don't. I mean, I picked up a book uh, earlier this year on, on this topic. Uh, there were maybe three books on the market for this. Yeah. And one um, really spoke to me because it was um, not just commercial. It was residential. It was larger facilities, um, group home type of places as well. Um, there, there was not a lot, and it was definitely not geared towards residential settings. And we're we need that more than ever oh right gosh. now. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I mean that that is where their kids' home is. Do you know what I mean? Like it's one thing. It's one thing to have a school classroom that is set up to, you know, fit their needs, but it absolutely has to be at home. And unfortunately, which is a lot is a, is what happened a lot of times um with where I was teaching, like I have a, you know, whatever, a degree in this kind of stuff and how to differentiate and how to do all of these things. But like I'm not a mom with a kid, you know, that has autism or Down syndrome or whatever. So that is a totally different role, um, totally different experience. You know, I, I mean, how many times it's like, man, my kid's great at home, but then he sucks at school or he follows schedules great at school, but like really struggles at home. And so, you know, there is a part where like where the two kind of really have to come together because, you know, when you have an expertise in an area, but then you're a mother you know what I mean? Those two people really do need to come together. And a lot of times I had parents that were like, I just don't know what to do. You know, right. like, I'm just really struggling. Like, you know, their degree is in, I don't know, like whatever work, you know? And it's just like, there is a skill to learn when you're working with kids with autism or Down syndrome or whatever it might be. And so I think it's just really powerful that you're kind of colliding those two worlds in your business. Yes. So it. I mean, I mean, obviously your daughter is what like spurred that on, but yeah. I mean, what is your like ultimate mission just to keep, just to help moms, just to keep people safe, to have, you know, kids with autism thrive? Like what is your like heartbeat of your business? I mean, I want to empower the parents. I, I totally understand how difficult this is and how much information is out there, but there is a such thing as too much information. And unless you understand your child, you don't, you can't successfully create a space for them or to empower them until you get to know all of the things that make them who they are. I, I, I mean, I definitely, besides empowering the parents, it's really just about educating the masses at this point. It's getting this information into the hands of the people who need it. And then eventually adjusting this for classrooms and therapists and, and larger facilities. Um, But I really feel like this is something that should be on the minds of 
everyone who has a part in a life of a person with autism. Right. And even like the consumer, the consumer world or marketing world, like even, you know, the people who are creating these pro- like different products, I feel like there's a whole market out there of, you know, people exactly like you and your type of families that just need a little, like, can you just understand that I cannot do these type of things? Like I need this or whatever. And so I feel like there's a whole market out there that is just open, you know, for, specialty type, you know, furnitures or locks. I have a friend who has a child with autism who can open like every single lock and it's like, oh my gosh, (laughs) we need to keep them safe. And it's like, you have to have the, um, you know, the sound system on your doors. And it's just like, man, we need something here. That's autism proof. (laughs) You know, in my, I have a Facebook group where I funnel everybody because it has tons of great and helpful information. Um, you know, we talk about the different challenges and I might recommend a product that will help with that. Uh, sometimes I create something. So I think this weekend, I think I have a freebie going out to my group for um, a visual chart for the bathroom. And it's actually four different charts because I don't know about everybody else, but I am tired of having to yell to my kids to go wash their hands. Oh my um, gosh. Or brush their daggone teeth. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> or brush, yes, brush the teeth. But it's all of the steps that go along with it. So I'll have a picture and I have a, a description, you know, so when we, if we don't know how to read, we can see the picture and it's very descriptive of how, what you're supposed to do. But then as they learn to read, they can read the words. And it just goes step by step. And I mean, I talk, I tell them to turn off the water when they're done washing their hands and then go dry your hands and then go turn off the light because (laughs) these are all things that matter that we might not remember to tell them to do. And then they just leave the bathroom. The water is on, the toilet is not flushed and the light is on. And I'm just like, what the heck? So I decided that was a good place to start. We're definitely on that road of being clean. So we need to teach them in a way that they'll understand it. And it's, again, with the independence piece, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I have to keep coming in and say, okay, turn off the light. Okay, turn off the water. Okay, turn up. You know what I mean? Like that's right. I mean, that's fine at the beginning. You know, you can like fade yourself out of that, but that is like a visual way that they can check themselves to see if they have completed everything that is necessary. And then in their brains, typically that schedule and that linear, you know, thing and that every single time they have to do this, like, that right there is just so much independence until it becomes a habit, exactly. you know? Um, so I mean, we have the visual charts and schedules at school and those work. So let's just create something different for within the home so we can keep on this road to independence. Yep. I absolutely love that. Well, Wendy, where can um, people find you who are kind of in your same shoes or even like teachers like I am? I absolutely love this conversation or, um, you know, even family members like you were saying, like, you know, it takes a village. <laughs> so where can people find you? Where can we um, keep in contact with you? So right now, the best place to find me is Facebook. And my group is Designing Interiors for Autism. 
as awesome. long as okay. the person has some kind of connection with a person with autism, you are allowed in this group. Um, it's not, you know, it's not just for anyone. You have to be a part of, uh, of the autism community. Sure. Otherwise it doesn't really pertain to you all that much. <laughs> right. It is a very specific thing, yeah. of course. Yeah. <laughs> and I will, um, if I will make sure that you guys, that that is all in my show notes. I know people personally who would absolutely benefit from just being in that community, Wendy. So I am so thankful for you just in general, um, for just providing a space and stepping into that space. Sometimes it's scary, you know, like when no one else is there, you're like, what? I know. I can't be like, Oh, well that was interesting. Or I might, you know, borrow some of that. And, um, that's a really good, you know, way of doing things. No, I just starting from total scratch going, okay, we're going to figure this out because people need this information. And you know what? I've had it for months, but as of late, I'm just like, you know what, like now is the time I see so many people struggling and this is my way of helping because my, my expertise is interior design. So, you know, how could I help my child with the set of skills that I already have? And then it just snowballed from there. (laughs) Sure. And how 2020 is that, right? Like, I (laughs) I feel like at this point, people are just realizing, especially with how social, I mean, social media and how online our world is. It's like, what are you good at? What are you good at? And then how can you make it a business? Um, So many people are going that route. And I really genuinely feel like then that's where so many people are just so, so much more passionate and so much more alive, especially it just, it excites me, especially women and especially moms that are stepping into their calling. So Thank you so much for stepping into yours. Thank you for coming on this podcast in our Overcomer series to just talk about your journey being a, you know, mama of a kid with autism. I really appreciate you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Okay, guys, how amazing is her story and just the creativity to combine her love with interior design with autism and helping families. And, you know, I was a special education teacher. I've talked about that. We talked about it in the interview. And parents always were like, how do you get him to do this at school? Or I would ask the parent, like, how do you get him to do this at home? And, you know, oftentimes there is very different looks to a classroom and home life, which is fine for a neurotypical kid. But when you get into a kid with a disability, a kid with autism, a kid with Down syndrome, a kid with whatever it might be, the more fluid that we can be to support this child, the better. And so, I really love that she is just going into homes and just teaching and doing as much as she absolutely can to support these other families who have children with autism. It is just amazing. I mean, none of us come, you know, home with a manual and even neurotypical children are puzzles, (laughs) good Lord, that are difficult to figure out. So to have a kid with special needs just adds, right? It just adds another level to the puzzle. It just kind of... um, shortens or what's the right word? That's not the right word. Uh, your community just isn't quite as big, right? Like you're, but I bet your community is almost stronger, but it's not quite as big. And so the information is always, you know, there's new, new data coming out, new studies coming out. This is helpful. This isn't, we thought this now we don't, whatever. It's freaking confusing. Okay. But in the right environment and with the right tools, 
these kids can have their voice heard and their sensory needs met, you know, most of the time. So anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I absolutely loved this interview with Wendy. I could talk all day long about this kind of stuff. I love the creativity. I love 2020 and how we can literally have a passion and a mission in our heart's purpose and combine them all any freaking way we want to and create a business out of it, create a life out of it and do whatever the heck we want. So, um, okay, you guys, I hope that everyone stays safe and stays healthy. And I look forward to walking with you to help you find your grit while completely covering you in grace.